you are listening to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're an evangelical covenant church located in western Wisconsin outside of Ellsworth, and you can find out more about us on our website, BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and thank you for listening. So in a moment, uh, we're going to invite our first uh, confirmation student to come forward. Uh, and part of uh, confirmation, you know, is it's uh, intended to be this opportunity for students to explore uh, their faith and to read through the whole, uh, we actually read through the whole New Testament, most of the Old Testament together. Uh, and, and I'm trying to help, and, and our goal is to see that God's Word is, is alive in Scripture, and that as we read it, uh, God has something to say to us. And so one of the things that we ask our students to do when they read Scripture is ask, is ask that question, you know, what does this Scripture say about who God is, about who people are, and, and what is maybe God trying to say to me? What is maybe God trying to say to us in this Scripture? And so uh, for this... Um, what you're about to hear, our students sat down and, and they chose a piece of scripture and they spent uh, a few weeks pouring over it, reading it again and again, trying to find out all the things that are going on. They had to answer this whole list of questions and, and then uh, they used that uh, to bring a story from scripture that they uh, heard God in that they want to share with you. And so how this will work uh, today is I'll read a portion of the scripture they're referring to and then they'll come up and share. And, and I want to uh, remind all of us that every time we open God's word in community, it's an opportunity for us to hear from him. And so I'm going to pray a prayer, uh, and then I'll read our first passage of scripture. And, and Josh is our, our first, first student to come forward. So would you, would you pray with me? Lord God, would you open our hearts to hear from your Holy Spirit? As the words of Scripture are read, as, as all of our students um, share their wrestling with it, their experience of it, as they retell for us the stories, uh, may you speak to us through your Spirit. Because we know, Lord, that your word, when it goes out, it never comes back void. So may we be challenged in the ways that you would challenge us. May we be comforted in the ways that you would comfort us. And may we let your Holy Spirit break our hearts and lead us to new life. In your name, amen. Amen. And so to begin uh, this morning is uh, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For forty days and forty nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the Scriptures say, He will order His angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The Scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give all of it to you, he said, if you'll kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away 
and angels came and took care of Jesus. My story, Matthew 4. This chapter is all about temptation. Temptation is something that is very difficult to say no to. Think about when you are tempted to hit the snooze button for five more minutes, but you know you shouldn't. Or that one chocolate cookie after a workout. These are times of temptation. They are hard to say no to, but Jesus did it. Temptation is a real struggle. Temptation usually is someone trying to make you do something that you don't want to. But that is what Jesus did. Not once, not twice, but for 40 days and for 40 nights. That is how long it took for God to flood the whole earth to save the earth from evil. Or the time when spies sent by, sent by Moses to explore the land of Canaan or something like that. Sorry. For 40 days, there is no coincidence that Lent, the time you give up something you enjoy for God, is for 40 days. These 40 days for something seem like they were a piece of cake. The devil throws everything he has at Jesus, but Jesus proves to, be, proves to him that he is the Son of God and resists the temptation. I messed that up. Sorry. Throughout the story, Satan throws everything he can. He uses God's words to try and tempt Jesus, but Jesus comes back with his Father's word in the Bible. Right before this happened, Jesus just got done being baptized to prove to sinners that God is real. So day in and day out, Satan is at Jesus' throat, trying to peer pressure him, but Jesus knows better. This story tells me a lot about God. Although God says that you should, not, should do something, he also says that you don't have to. He gives you choices. You should know the consequences of betraying him, what he says. It also tells us what we should do in times of temptation, from stealing to doing something you usually wouldn't. It tells us to people who follow God that there's always a way out of a situation like this. Just because someone tells you to do something doesn't mean you have to. God always has a role in the Bible, no matter what. As long as you have air in your lungs and faith in your heart, God is always there. Just like this story, God helps Jesus guide his way through Satan's terror. Jesus outthinks him because he knows that he doesn't have to prove to anybody that he is the Son of God. The thing that sticks out to me the most is that Satan's arch enemy, Jesus, the Father, God's word, to try and convince him to do all these things. After reading this story, I don't expect anything from God, as I never will. But I will always believe that God will show when I need him most. I will always have faith, even when all feels lost, when I feel wanted, or, there's, or when I know there's no one that, I know there's always someone that will love me. Even though I can't see him, I have faith. This story matters to me and should matter to you because this story makes me feel safe. It makes me feel protected. Every thought, every choice, every mistake, God is there watching over me to make sure I'm okay. That is why I like the story, and now I feel like you should like the story too. Amen. This is from Mark chapter 1, verse 29 through 34, and verse 40 uh, through chapter 2, verse 5. After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever, and they told Jesus about it right away. So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out demons, cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. 
And continuing in verse 40, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I'm willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Do not tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. And as a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, so he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. And soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. They lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus, and seeing his faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. I chose this story to retell today because it's easy to recall and many people know about these stories of how Jesus heals the sick. As a Christian, I believe that Jesus was born on earth and died for my sins and was resurrected. People doubted his existence and this truth often, and his truth, and often turned to these stories in the Bible to find their worries reassured. Mark 1.29, Jesus heals many people. Jesus goes to Simon Andrew's house and asks to heal Simon's mother-in-law. She was very ill, so he sits with her, and soon she's healed enough to where she even cooks a meal for them. People quickly hear the story to seek to find Jesus and hope that he does the same for them. Then Jesus cured a man with leprosy and asked him to not tell anyone of his doings. But then the man tells everyone, and soon people gather to see if this is true, and he can, and if he can help them, Jesus eventually goes into hiding outside of town because of the crowds surrounding him, which it makes it harder for and harder for the, to help people in need. In the upcoming events, he heals a paralyzed man, and the man gets up and walks away. Jesus returns to Capernaum. The news spreads quickly, and surrounding crowds begin to reform. Jesus then heal, healed the paralyzed man. When he returned, oh, oh, four men carried a paralyzed man on a mat but could not reach Jesus because of the crowd. They dug a hole through the roof above Jesus' head, and he healed them because of their dedication and faith. In all, there were 40 different stories told by the disciples when Jesus heals others, performs miracles, and frees people of evil. The stories of people curing the stories of Jesus curing the ill matters because it shows how Jesus loves his people and answers their prayer in people of need. Other people have the will to care and retell how Jesus healed the sick and he is loving and true son of, and the true son of God. I hope after reading the stories that Jesus progressed in his healing, see how he was our savior. He is our savior now and the needs and in, in the needs of people. 
God will meet the ultimate need of saving us in our death and bring us to heaven with him. Amen. Amen. Uh, Landon focused on the story of Jesus on the cross and the empty tomb in Matthew 15 and 16, or Mark 15 and 16. Uh, but we're only going to read a selection from that. So this is Mark 15, 33 through 40, and 16, 1 through 8. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. Then at 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. Wait, he said. Let's see whether Elijah comes to take him down. Then Jesus uttered, a la- uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he died, he exclaimed, This man truly was the Son of God. Some women were there watching from a distance, including Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, or James, and the younger of Joseph and Salome. They had been followers of Jesus and cared for him while he was in Galilee. Many other women who had come with him to Jerusalem were also there. And skipping on to chapter 16. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way there, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us to the entrance of the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. Let's hear. The Bible story I'm sharing is Mark 15 and 16. Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. Because it was a really important time in history when God gave his one and only son to die on the cross for us to be cleansed from sin. I like it because it helps me to remember and if I pray and ask for, ask for forgiveness, my sins will be forgiven. Jesus was suffering under the governor of Pontius Pilate. Jesus was nailed to the cross, one nail in each hand and one in his feet. Jesus wore a crown that was made from a plant with thorns on it. Jesus was mocked and spitted on. When, when Jesus was crucified, he died, and his body laid in a tomb for three days. On the third day, several women went to the tomb at dawn to anoint the body of Jesus. When they arrived, an angel from heaven rolled back the stone and was blocking the entryway that was blocking the entryway to the tomb. Jesus was not in the tomb as he was on his way to Galilee. This went mass because most people would not give up their son or daughter, but, G- but God did it. 
It was a really big sacrifice he made. If you believe in God, your sins will be forgiven, and you will not go to hell, and you will have eternal salvation. Remember this story, and you can help save people who think they're not going to heaven because they have sinned by sharing the story with them. Then we will share with other people that think they are not going to go to heaven. And by sharing the word, maybe more people will believe in God and the good he does. Amen. Amen. So many good words. Amen? Amen. Uh, Braden uh, is speaking to the story of Pentecost from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through, and I'm going to read Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, and 15 through 21, but he, he kind of looked at the whole, the whole story. It goes like this. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And jumping down, verse uh, Uh, 14 through 21. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early from that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all the people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark. The moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord who arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The Bible story I chose is the story of the Pentecost and Acts. I chose this story because this story shows what God can do. God saved the people in Jerusalem from evil after, after they listened to what God had told them to do. If you listen to God and do what he tells you to do, God will reward you. God will keep his promises if you listen to what God is telling you to do. God can do awesome things for people that follow God and take sin away from them. During the Pentecost, God tells his people to not leave the town of Jerusalem and that he'll have a gift for them, which is they'll be baptized by the Holy Spirit as God had promised. Then God, the, wait, the people listened to what God had said and they stayed in Jerusalem and waited. The, then after a few days, a strong wind blew through the town and everyone who was still there had a fire sitting above their head. God had saved those people and they were now baptized by the Holy Spirit. What God also did was have Peter talk to everyone, and the people could hear what he was saying in their own native language. So if you spoke Spanish and Peter was speaking English, you would hear all Peter speaking Spanish. Peter talked to them and told them that everyone who called God Lord will be saved and that they were baptized by the Holy Spirit. This story matters as it shows what God can do. God did an amazing thing in this story by saving the people. The story also matters because it shows what happens when you listen to God and do what he tells you to do. The people in the story listened to what God had told them to do, and they were saved by God. 
This is why I think this story matters, and this is and why it should matter to others. Amen. And our final uh, passage, McKenna is going to close us out, and she chose 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 and 18. Let's hear from Scripture. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. I chose this story simply because it is uplifting. The Bible has its own ways of always having just the right scripture to go with how you are feeling. This passage helps me when you feel hopeless, and I feel like there is a lot of hopelessness right now. Especially in a time like this, it is important to have hope and sometimes need a little help. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18 can be the help. We often lose hope and give up. We focus on what we can see and try to fix that, though God will renew us every day and those sins will be washed away. We don't look to the things we cannot see, such as heaven and God. The main point of this, sermon, of this passage is to reflect on your troubles, look on the bright side, that God is renewing your spirit every day, and really to never give up. This story can teach you so much about giving up, seeing what you may not, and trust. Summed up what happens before the excerpt I chose is just that Paul continues to challenge the Corinthian church by reminding them that it is God's power that works in and through them. This is Paul's second letter. Essentially, it is stating that we never give up, even if our bodies seem to be dying, our spirits are renewed every day by God. The issues that we have will not last forever, and we should not, only, should not be only focusing on the things we can see and assess, but things that are yet to come. This, to me, means heaven and God. We should be watching ourselves and continue to reflect on things. Because I have heard and read this passage, and though this may sound odd, I would like to keep this passage with me and in the back of my mind. It gives me hope and stability. It says essentially that even when our bodies are close to the end, our spirit is only getting started. Problems will be resolved one way or another. Above all else, I can hear God saying through this story to never give up. Though this may be a broad statement, I feel that it is a strong statement. This passage is very uplifting, but my favorite parts are when it says, for the things we can see now will soon be gone, the things we will not see will last forever. It sort of gives a reassurance that you will be with the ones you have lost one day. Especially in a time like this, it is easy to lose sight of your priorities and really to just give up. But we can choose to not look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we can fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For things we can see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Amen. Amen. As I... Uh, don't know about you guys, but as I listen to those stories, uh, the thing that just uh, hit me again and again and again is it's all about where we fix our eyes. When temptation, when thinking about what Jesus did for us, where our source of help and rescue is for the broken, and finally, when the stuff of this world looms large, we fix 
our eyes on Jesus and live. Would you pray with me? Lord God, as we approach uh, your table today, uh, as we've opened your word and, and heard, uh, heard from it, as we've listened to these students as they've engaged with Scripture and, and brought forth um, what you had to say to us, Lord, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is active in that. That we can't open our Bibles together and not uh, know that your Spirit is at work in interpreting and leading and guiding if we'll let, if we'll let you. So, Lord, we are so grateful We thank you for these students and what they shared and for the way they have pointed our gaze onto you. We remember, Lord, that it's only uh, by admitting our need, our sin, and our need for you, putting our faith in who you are, in your son Jesus who died and rose again, and believing in him that we can be made new and saved, not just now, but forever. And so we pray, Lord, that you remind us of our brokenness, our sin and our need. You bring us to confession and repentance. You help us to fix our eyes on the death and resurrection of your son. And that, Lord, you continue by your spirit to make us new. Lord, all are welcome uh, to that. So as we approach this table, Lord, may we continue to fix our eyes on you. As we eat and drink, let us remember that it is your body broken for us, your blood spilled, and our hope is in the resurrection of the dead. In your name, amen. Thanks for joining us. You can find out more about our church, our live stream, and our in-person services at BethelCove.org. Thanks and have a great week.